Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a longtime gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. Welcome back, Scriptorians. This is Lori, and we are headed into James. Now, last week, we did the All About section, which covered a little bit about the background and who was James. And today we'll be jumping right in to the verses. So buckle up as we find out what James has to say to the first century Christians living in and about Jerusalem and the whole world. So last time we talked a little bit about who James was, probably the brother of Jesus. His name was probably Jacob, Jacob, uh, which the English version is James. So uh, sometimes you'll see it in various uh, ways depending on the translation they have. But Jacob was probably what he was called more than James uh, in his real life, but it doesn't matter. So he is a very interesting bishop is what we would call him. He has insights that he's going to give to the people, and he's going to really overlay kind of the wisdom literature and the Sermon on the Mount. And so he takes a number of ideas right from chapter one and takes them all the way through. 12 of them, in fact, takes about 12 themes, takes them all the way through uh, chapter 5. So in that first chapter, you can kind of see the themes, and then he develops them. And and they're a little bit different. They're short. They're uh, pithy. They're almost like a one-liner at the end of them. And, and so you want to kind of mull over each one, think about the ramifications and the applications. Uh, one thing about James is he's very practical. These are very practical suggestions to life. Uh, this is not some deep, deep theology. This is, hey, now you've learned this stuff. What are you going to do with it? And the, for the people at that time, they were living through a lot of uh, famine, persecution, probably not that different than us. So, so struggles. And so what do you do now that you have uh, received the gospel in your life? How do you live? What, what do you do with it? And that's where James comes in. Again, He's going to talk about all of it in the first chapter. So let's go there and jump in and see what we find out. So James 1, he starts right out like a letter like we've seen before. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. So he's telling us right out that he is not somebody any more important than anybody else. I love that. They always start out with this, a servant of God. I'm doing what I'm asked to do. The word is very similar uh, to almost slave like an indentured servant or someone that does what uh, their master commands. And so you see that commonly in the New Testament. And I like that twist that I am uh, the Lord's servant. I am doing what he's asking. And he says specifically that he's of, of, of Jesus Christ. Remember this, if this is James, the brother of Jesus, remember they, they didn't believe him originally. So they grew up with him, found it hard to believe. But sometime after his resurrection, uh, they become uh, devout followers, and he becomes the bishop of Jerusalem. And so for 20-ish years, James is teaching the people just right there at home base. And you see that this James in Acts. So anyway, that, that's what we're talking about. But he says, to the 12 tribes, we talked about this last time. How many continue on? My brethren and sisters, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. 
Wait. He's like, hey, it's good news. Counted to all, not just good news, joy when you fall into temptations. Uh, meaning, say, something like persecution or challenges. So he says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Because you know that this is for your betterment, that this is the topsy-turvy world uh, that the Lord has, that, that the things that the world values are not what you should be valuing, but in fact, this is what the Lord would be valuing because it is going to work patience. It's going to give you patience. And he says, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Okay, these are two of the themes that you're going to see throughout the entire book. Patience and perf perfection, all right? So patience, I think we kind of get that one, but I want to go hit on the word perfect a little bit. The word perfect, we have kind of twisted, and I think it causes a lot of problems. So I want to really call this out, and I want you to really take a deep breath and think, what do you think of when you think of perfect? I remember when I was on my mission that I was really in a way, I'm going to just, this is embarrassing, but I was disappointed that we did not teach more of Matthew 5, 48, be therefore perfect, even as my father in heaven is perfect. And then in third Nephi, father in heaven, and I am perfect. Because I was like, this is the whole point. We are supposed to be becoming perfect, meaning in my mind, no errors to never sin again, that somehow one day we should all be getting it. We should, we should have never make we'll never make another error in our life and that if you think about it as you get wrapping your head around that you're like that's ridiculous not only is that ridiculous it puts aside the whole point of christ and that's not what they're saying that's not what this term is so that's why i want you to put the brakes on i want you to take a deep breath and say do you think that same thing do you think perfection is one day i'll quit making mistakes and i'll figure it out that's not that is not what the gospel is about is for you to stop making mistakes. It's a different thing altogether that he's saying here. He's saying that you may be whole, that you may be whole and entire. See how it says there that you may be um, have integrity, that you don't have any chinks in your armor, that you're a, the real person that God wanted us to be. So think back to the Garden of Eden. God puts man and woman there in the garden and they are perfect, and they haven't done anything yet, so they're like, well, it's because they haven't sinned yet. Well, they're the people that they should be, they're, they're, but they're still lacking, right? They don't have any experience. They don't have any wisdom, and so they, the fall occurs, but he, he's, I think we look back, and we say, God wants us to be, has a, an idea for creation as, as those of us in his image, right? He wants us to be whole, entire, perfect complete a real person what's a what does a real human look and and act like it's the image of god so how do we become more like our father in heaven how do we reflect that how do we live a true whole life it's not about making mistakes or not making mistakes it's about something greater so i don't put that aside that idea of one day I'll, I'll just, it, it's just overwhelming. It's overwhelming if you think one day I can't, I'll, I'll never make a mistake. I think that's a completely different idea. I think the idea, and I'm not saying it's not about sin. Sin's a whole different thing we're talking about. I think what he's saying here is, how do you live as a true human? How are you truly happy? How are you supposed to really be? And that's profound. 
So he says, patience is required. And, and he says, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, you may be whole, entire, wanting nothing. And then the kicker, if you lack wisdom, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave that is of the sea that is driven with the wind and tossed. So we know this is the Joseph Smith scripture, powerful scripture. And I love this idea that James is saying, hey, when you fall into challenges and temptations and when you're trying of your faith, it's good news because it is bringing you patience. And patience is one of the things that you need to be a whole perfect human. And if you lack that wisdom, if you're like, how is that supposed to work? And how am I supposed to live a wise, happy life? Ask God, because he's going to give it to you. He's, he's happy to help you live that kind of life. But ask with faith, nothing wavering. No, don't doubt that this is, this is going to happen. We often think of this as the idea of just if you lack knowledge. Um, and it's something greater. It's wisdom. It's how to live your life. It's how to be a whole person. Uh, and that's the, those are the themes you're going to see is patience and wholeness and integrity. This, and, and that's through wisdom. So uh, really cool stuff. Um, let's see. Keep going. We talked about last time a little bit about the wisdom literature, uh, whether it was Proverbs or Ecclesiastes or Job. And you'll see that not only does the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus talks very much like that, but James does. You can almost feel like the echoes of it, right? You read a, read a book so much or know the scripture so much that it just kind of comes out. Uh, do you know anybody like that? They might like something else. I mean, maybe they like Star Wars or Harry Potter or Shakespeare or whatever that they really like. But no matter what you talk about, it just they're always bringing it back to those examples or they just talk like that. Um, when I was in high school, I always thought that would be really cool if I could quote Shakespeare for every situation. I came to my senses and did not memorize every Shakespeare play so that I could quote it and be that annoying person. But I love how James is so infused with the, the sayings of, of his brother, of saying of Christ, as well as the wisdom literature, that it's just layered in here. So, so go back, especially Proverbs 1 through 9. If, if you want to get a good grasp of what James is going to say, stop what we're doing right now, quit listening to me, and go read Proverbs 1 through 9 and Matthew 5 through 7. And that's where you're going to see that this is the same themes that is going on here. Um, let's go back to the idea of wisdom, if any of you lack wisdom. So James is really, again, he's layering this wisdom literature literature. And what he's saying is that the, the tested, the sifted, the collected wisdom of all of those who have learned to trust God for everything and they can discover how to, that trust, that everything would work out in every aspect of their lives, how to cope with every situation, with each tricky moment that comes up in your lives, well, you need wisdom. Like how, how do we wade through our daily lives if we don't really know how to do it? And this is what James is so practical. Um, this isn't, you know, what happens in the highest level of celestial kingdom. This is, what do I do tomorrow when someone talks bad about me uh, behind my back? And what if I am really struggling financially? And what happens if um, uh, I'm 
kind of becoming a hypocrite and just ignoring the, the needy in my neighborhood. I, this, this is what James is going to talk about, is this wisdom, this way to live and handle every situation. So how do I get that wisdom? Well, the key here is that the secret of faith, patience, and wisdom and is that God's going to give it generously, right? We have to uh, ask in faith, and then he will give it to us. I love the idea that God is a generous giver, uh, that he's not a stingy character, uh, that he wants to bestow on us this wisdom and says, if any of you lack, he wants to give it, and he upbraideth not, but give it to all men and women liberally. He wants to give us this insight and wisdom. He's a generous father who is waiting for us just to ask. So wisdom, patience, faith, right? They're the keys that we're going to find out. So let's, uh, let's keep reading. So jump back over. I'm going to jump back to nine. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the, but the rich in that he hath is made low because as a flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but withereth as the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade in his ways. Uh, this is this is clunky a little bit in the King James. Sorry, I even had a hard time reading it. Um, I think that he's going to go on and talk about the endurance of testing, being tested, and saying when we are brought down, it's when we're exalted, when we're really struggling in life or we've been humbled, that is when the flip-flop world, that's when we're exalted. And he even said, like, the rich. Now, remember, these are the saints that there was a famine. Uh, they gather in Galatians, and then Paul later in Philippians and Corinthians says, hey, we got to help them out. There's uh, the, the saints in Jerusalem are really struggling because of this famine, and so they're probably really struggling financially. So you see this allusion specifically to poverty and to rich people. And, and James is saying, you know, it's it's vice versa. If your rich is going to fade away, just like the sun coming up and just withers the grass. grass. And that's what a rich person's like. It's not going to be rich forever. And so that's not, don't worry about that. That's not what values. And in fact, he's going to say what really matters in verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Thus when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and in sin is f when it is finished bringeth forth death. Uh, let me back up again. you got to unravel this a little bit. He's saying the thing that really matters is when you're enduring the hardships, the temptations. And he's saying when we are tried, that's when we actually receive the blessing, the crown of life. Uh, so if we love the Lord, this is what we're going to get. But don't blame God for this, right? He's, he's saying that the temptations that come are really of our own sins. And then he has this little analogy that the sins and almost bring forth the, another sin. And so the kind of the results of the results. And so he's using this when it, uh, kind of idea of a child. And so we kind of cause some of our own problems when he's saying our own passions or, or, or challenges are going to come back to us. But it's not God that's bringing this back to us. So this might be our own temptations. So he says, don't 
But don't err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So again, the theme is going to be that God is going to give us this wisdom. God wants to give us the perfect gift. He is the Father of lights, of all the goodness, light and goodness. He's the one that blesses us with everything. And in fact, of his own will begat us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. He's going back to the Old Testament when you brought your first fruit sacrifice when the harvest came in, the first harvest. You brought that forth as to say, you know, thank you. and says we are that first harvest of God's creation. Uh, so, So he's just laying it down to say, God wants to give us this wisdom. God wants to help us in our challenges. And uh, that's kind of the good news. Now it keeps going and you're going to start, I'm not going to read anymore because James is not very hard to understand, but it requires you to kind of take each little six section by itself. And again, these maybe 12 themes and he's kind of giving you patience, faith, and wisdom here in the beginning. And he's going to tell us how to live in a very practical manner. And again, they're short. So they might have, like, there's a lot about speaking and backbiting and gossip and, and, and poor speech and things like that. And you're going to see that theme over and over. But you're, these aren't tricky things. You can, you can read them and say, yeah, I see that in my own life. So take, a, take time with it. Read it. Go slowly. Ponder it. Think, what is James saying? Because in the beginning, he's saying, this is how the Lord gives us these, um, this opportunity to gain wisdom. He wants us to live a good, happy life and with faith and patience and in our suffering and our trials. And so here are some of them, and here's how you can uh, endure as Christ would. So we're going to flip back to Isaiah, Proverbs 1 through 9, and, and especially the Sermon on the Mount. Well, that's it, Scriptorians. James is awesome. Enjoy it this week. And next week, we'll move on to Peter. All right. Oh, and thanks to all of those who've joined us from, we had the eyes this week. We had Ireland and Italy. So welcome, and we'll keep on reading and see you next time.